0: Hello and welcome to Gate Drop Podcast, the Red Bud Motocross of Nations review. And Andy, what a weekend that was. Dry weather Saturday, wet overnight, pretty amazing rain, and then a, a probably a pretty good track. Soft, but not certainly not unrideable for the Sunday. And it was Team USA that came away with the victory, but they didn't have it easy in terms of individual race wins. I think they won only two of the six motos on the Sunday. All in all, a, a really good, really good motocross of nations. And... A lot of people were
1: winners, I think. absolutely! A fantastic event, I have to say. Though I was very, very happy. It rained overnight. I think I I like the cooler <laughs> weather. We got a bit of cooler weather, and also for the track, I think the track needed it. Saturday, I was kind of watching, thinking there's not a bump in sight here. So thank goodness it rained and made things a little bit more technical, which I think was a bit more of a level playing field, probably mm-hmm. because on the Saturday the track was so fast. I mean, it was just on the throttle, wide open, pretty American style, and you could tell the GP riders aren't aren't really used to that. They're used to bumps here or there, so more technical track on Sunday made for made for some good racing, closer racing, I think, as well. And yeah, overall, it was uh, there'll be a lot of people happy. I think a number of GP riders showed their pace. Obviously, America had good pace. They had the good execution and good starts to go with the good pace, and obviously Australia will be happy with the way they rode as well. So all all the continents, I think, I'll be relatively happy, and um, yeah, it was it was a, a great motocross the nations this year, really, really enjoyed it.
0: And it was your first time in America, and you were very excited on the flight about all the food you got?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was great, the flight was great, <laughs> I, I was actually, the night before, I like, uh, can't bother with this, but first time flying to America, they keep you, keep you well fed and anyway, so that, that was good, and then... Once I got there on the, the Friday, it was the hottest day. I was like, "Oh, I'm in for a hot one this weekend." But then brought the Irish with me or the Irish weather with me. So, yeah, all in all, great. I don't think I could have picked a better weekend weather-wise to go. To be honest, it was just like being at home.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be a fan of the cold weather, so it wasn't ideal. But you were jumping for joy every great. time you yeah said it was unreal cool. yeah fantastic and then near near had a few days as yeah, well few... on, on the way out of the track a couple of days certainly so
1: something I didn't expect to no. had a few deers, but. Well, at least we made it home in one piece. That was maybe the uh, the better success than any of the There's
0: A few <laughs> sketchy moments. There's like, been on the bike. Um. <laughs> so we'll we'll get into it properly here. So as you said, the the Saturday, it wasn't. It didn't even look as deep initially on the Friday when we went there. they ripped it really deep. By the Saturday, that almost smoothed it, it rolled over on top of it. So it was going to be hard. And it didn't dig down as deep as you would have expected it to, even at an AMN National. But you could tell the Americans and their bikes were very fast, let's say that, especially Cooper's 250. They were on the gas really early, just, just wide open, especially Tomac and Cooper. The The GP guys were, were more used to rolling turns and everything. That wasn't really working as well. It was almost like they were surprised that you could get on the gas that early and just ride wide open. And you could see that in different parts of the track on the Saturday. You also have the, the Loraco's leap. Everybody, a lot of the GP ones trying to do Loraco's leap for the first time. I think Kaida Wolf cased it. He was changing his back wheel on uh, I think just after practice before the, the start practice. Mm-hmm. And then Stuart Edmonds cased it big time. He bounced cased it right on the top bounced and then he was he was fine. He was like right let's go again. Don't mind the case Loraco's leap. But then the bike had other ideas He damaged the back wheel, I think, and by the time he got to the next corner and he looked for power, he wasn't able to go anywhere. He and his mechanic had to carry the bike with the back wheel in the air the whole way back to the pits. And as you say, it was getting warmer at that point on Friday or Saturday. So it wasn't ideal for him. He had to put a lot of effort in just getting his bike back. But the practice and then the races were, as you say, fairly wide open on the Saturday, but Eli Tomac. And I think this summed up America all weekend. 21st gate pick, and he got the whole shot there, and that was key. Um he needed that, I think, as well. Because that's where the, the Americans foundation for the wins came with with the whole shots. But yeah. um or the Saturday actually he didn't get the starting sound about seventh. And um it was Yago, Yago leading most of the way, and that was you were starting to think, can he last? Can he last? Can he last? And the more longer it went on, you started realizing this is his actual pace. Tomac found his groove about halfway through, started picking riders off. But we saw in them in Nationals, he was able to come through usually easier than that. So that was sort of an indication that it was going to be a relatively competitive weekend for everyone. But again, Jago Gertz, he was he was the star. He had pressure from Siri, pressure from Tomac those last two or three laps, and he got it, got it done. Um, and then, first moto was first moto on Sunday. The Tomac came from the outside and got the whole shot. And that was sort of straight away. You're into advantage America there because that's what Eli needed and that's what America needed. That's what they'd been lacking in previous years, especially four years ago at Redbud. They got their start sort of this year. Cooper came away around seventh or eighth and he stayed there the whole race. And that was the platform that, that really got them the, the win, I feel. And from there it was just about managing it. And I think they did that, they did that pretty well. Saxon somehow he didn't actually win a race. But he was he, he could see the lead in every single race he competed in. He lost the lead in the last lap in the qualifier. He was right there in the first one, pressuring Guadagnini. And then Jet came through. And then the second one, he was battling with Jet and had Maxime Reno in front of him as well. So he was right there, but he never got the win. But he's still at the start, he's still at the positions. And if you're France. You're probably thinking what could have been. You're probably wishing Tom Vial was there. Although Marvin did ride well, but with he didn't have a lot of time to prepare. He hasn't raced outdoors. He hasn't raced a two fifty. So for what he, the preparation time he had, he did very well. But there's no doubt about it. Tom Vial with his starts and his speed, you saw the speed Yago had. So choose the level Tom was on. That if they had that, and if, or even if Dylan hadn't crashed both motos, the 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 race for the the motocross of nations title would have been a lot closer. It was actually quite fine margins, but it just didn't come down to that in the last moto.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from my point of view, I think any of the three teams that run the podium, I think only one team delivered good starts every Mm -hmm. moto and stayed out of trouble for the first two laps in every moto. And ultimately, that's why America won. But when it comes to just raw pace, I think all three teams probably had the, the pace. Overall, maybe America had the better three riders, I'm not sure like I know obviously Justin Cooper who was maybe the weak link coming into it, it's especially in that link, in, yeah. especially in that second moto, in the in the two fifty on the Sunday, he, he was phenomenal. I mean he was even catching Chase Sexton at one stage. Yeah, he was on so it. I think that, that was probably the moto that won it for America, along with the execution and uh, and the stand on two wheels just I mean every other nation pretty much had a mayor, at least one of the riders and one of the motos. Yeah. The so the if that did, yeah way. and and then even you know, going into the last mode, it looked like it wouldn't even be close. But then once France were 1-2, I think at one stage, there was only one point between yeah. France and America. But then Dylan had his crash. And mm-hmm. after that happened, you just knew there was no oh, way no. back. And, yeah. and that was it. It was it was the America's. Unless something drastic happened and they, had a, they just crumbled and had a big crash or something. That was the only reason, or that would have been the only way they lost. So credit to them. The, one, the speed, the starts, the combination of everything they've done was great. Although, from speaking to a few people, it does sound like the AMA riders were using AMA fuel. So, that might be why the starts were so good. But, anyway, credit to them. The road, great. And France and Australia certainly had the pace. They'll be hoping in France next year that they can maybe execute their races better and keep it in two ways. But, I think one rider that we'll have to talk about more in a little bit more detail is Jago Gertz. Probably the, the Americans probably didn't even know who he was that weekend. He came out, and Didn't I mean, know. from the first from the first lap of practice, whenever I seen him, I was like, Yep, this is going to be a good weekend for Iago. Now, did I think he would win a qualifying race and maybe be the maybe aside from maybe Ferrandis be the and you could argue he did have Dylan Ferrandis pace, just mm. two very different styles. We after seeing him the first lap, if you'd have told me it maybe be the quickest all weekend, maybe wouldn't have believed that, but I knew he was on for a good weekend. But in the qualifying motto, I mean, in that first motto. I think he was as quick as Eli. If I think he maybe yeah, he did initially get the hole Yeah. I think he did get the whole lap. shot, but then he made a small mistake and then Eli got around him, maybe just in the approach to the second corner. If it had been the other way around and Gertz was leading from the first lap, I'm not sure if Eli passes him, to be honest. Gertz's corner speed was yeah, unbelievable. Sure he does, and he right? could yeah, and the back and the blue flags, where there wasn't any blue right, flags, I think that was The back markers
0: killed him every time, yeah, but he was able to him, catch him again, yeah, So that was exactly, a, yeah. That that, that, played
1: that played in Eli's favor, but like you say, anytime he lost time, he was able to catch it up. So for a play, I owe Gertz mentally, he looks in a stronger place now. And after losing the MX2 world title the way he did, you weren't really sure how he'd cope with that and how it performed mm-hmm. this weekend, but it was good to see him on form. and for me, right of the weekend, unbelievable. Um, for him now, the big test will be to, can he, can he finally win this MX2 world title next year?
0: And this was Eli Tomac pushing in that first Mudo. The two of them won by, I think, nearly a minute mm. over Maxime Renaud. So this wasn't Tomac doing what he had to do to win the nation. This was Tomac trying to set a marker down that for America and for himself that he's the fastest, and Iago just matched him. And every time they got in the back markers, Iago was able to claw that gap back to about around a second again and he's we spoke to him after and actually standing in the rain on Sunday night and he he said yeah he, he did feel he had the pace on Eli it was just trying to get around him and every then every time he sort of got close the back markers got in his way but he knew he had the pace he could catch him again so he, he definitely felt good he said he felt good all weekend on the bike so he went with Eli's probably maximum pace because of Iago wasn't there, that would have been a boring race because Eli mm. checked out. Yeah. So for the from a neutral point of view, it was good to have a guy actually be able to go with Eli's speed. And Iago, I think, opened a lot of eyes. It's just a shame. He, I think he crashed twice in the first lap in yeah. the third moto. And if he hadn't done that, I think he'd have been in the mix with Renault, the Sexton, and, and uh, Jet Lawrence. Yeah, and I think yeah. that Jet lawrence iago Gertz battle was the one thing that was maybe missing from the weekend because of that crash. But we'll go on to Jet now, actually. Very like Iago, very in control, amazing style on a bike. And he didn't have the crash, so he won his class. And just the the poise he had even in battles. A lot of the times he was third in a three-way battle for the lead, but he was patient. He never really rushed anything, his momentum into the turns. How he stands up, kind of like an Everts. Just very, very good technicality, but very calm on the bike. Now, when he gets off the bike, he's a bit of a madman when he was out in the press conference. He couldn't sit still. He was bored. He wanted to leave. He was totally couldn't leave. He had to stay for another presentation. He was cracking jokes with the team Australia guys constantly all go all buzzing, but on the bike, very calm, very smart and makes really good decisions.
1: Yeah. Mature above his ears, really oh. uh, above his years, really. Um, but I have to say, I wasn't that surprised by it yet, you know, I expected for, it. considering how young he is and how he's got a lot of experience. He's used to winning races. And even though it was his first race in the 450, I don't think that would have phased him in the slightest. Probably the opposite, probably make him more motivated because he wants to show, you know, the likes of Sexton and stuff that he's obviously going to be racing the 450 Nationals next year. So he probably wanted to put a bit of a marker down and show how quick he was with just a couple of weeks on the bike. Imagine what he'll be like with another, you know, a bit, mm-hmm. of, bit more preparation for the MA Nationals next year so yeah Jet was really really good performance unbelievable but I wouldn't say I was surprised because I sort of expected Jet to do that and like you say it's just a pity we never really got to see the the Jet v Iago battle that we all sort of wanted to see on the day obviously both raced 250s this year but both showed that they've got a hell of a future ahead of them because after only a week or two on the bike they were already pretty incredible so what a future those two have and hopefully we'll maybe see them challenge uh, for a title together in the future hopefully mxgp but who knows what the future holds but both really really good
0: and to add to that maxime renew now he actually won the mx1 Mm -hmm. or mxgp class whatever you want to call it over eli tomac so a huge achievement for him but that third moto the pressure he withstood dylan went down and he hadn't had he got gradually better as the weekend went on. Mm. I don't think Saturday was the best, Maxime No. But Sunday morning, he turned it around. He took third. So in the results column, it was good. He got the start and he rode well. But then when you have Iago Gertz, the guy you beat to the MX2 world title last year, putting a minute on you in his first 450 ride. And Eli Tome back on that as well. You're probably going, I should be able to go that speed actually. <laughs> and in a moto, we kind of, up that level as well. So it seemed every time he got on the track, he found higher speed. So fair play to that, because that's not easy at that event on a new track. And then he had the, the mental resilience. When Dylan went down, it was suddenly all on him. And he didn't crack once. I don't even think he looked behind him. He chased all over him, the American hero, Team USA, who they're trying, France are trying to beat for this title. Then he had Jet on him until a couple of laps to go. And then he was actually able to pull away right at the end to give himself a cushion. But under all that pressure pretty much for probably 20 minutes, but every time Dylan went down. And even before that, they knew it was like France pretty much had to go 1 2. To, it actually would have been interesting if Dylan hadn't crashed. Would the pressure on Chase and Tomac then have caused a mistake? Because at that point, there was a bit of pressure on them. But as soon as you said, as soon as Dylan made that mistake, the pressure was off and Chase could probably relax and actually go for the win. So he, like, he started around 12, got through to sixth and pretty much settled there the last last 10 minutes. But Renew had all that pressure. You knew Jet wanted to win. You know, Chase probably wanted to win in front of his home crowd as well. And yet it was Renew that, that took the win. So again, for the GP guys, it was a point to say, look, we're all so fast, even if Tim Geyser and Jeffrey Hurling's room in Favre aren't there and Tom Vial, who are probably three, four of the quickest GP guys there is. But Renault got the job done in that race, and I'm sure he's completely over the moon to to get the overall on Eli Tomac. And Iago Gertz is probably a bit frustrated because all weekend it looked like he was going to be the one to challenge Eli Tomac for that overall win. But fair play to Maxime Renault, mental strength and speed. thought that was a super impressive third motor ride from him.
1: Yeah, I mean, from the start of the weekend to the end of the weekend, if you had to pick the one rider that improved the most for me, it's definitely Maxime Renault. I mean, for sure. after the qualifying race in MXGP, you were sort of saying that's not the guy that won the MXT world title last year and, and this year was so impressive as an MXGP rookie. But the one thing about Renault is if he has a bad day or a bad moto, he's able to dust himself off and completely forget about it and mm-hmm. keep that positive mindset going into the next day or the next moto. So, like you say, uh, speaking to him after the race, he, he made quite a lot of bike changes because he kept his European um, settings for the Saturday. Okay. And obviously that track was so fast, it was completely different from European. Mm-hmm. So he he, had, he changed his bike settings for the Sunday. And even though the the track was maybe a little bit more Euro style on the Sunday, whatever they're under the bike, uh, along with his positive mindset, they were able to turn it mm-hmm. around. Like you said, he the first moto he still he rode a little bit better, but you still felt there was there was more there. Yeah. And the yeah. last moto, I think that was the maximum Renault that we've seen in MXGP all season. I mean, I think he would have got confidence because the first two or three laps he was able to follow Dylan Ferrandes. and then Dylan's first moto, like everyone seen how he quick was on, he was, he able. was going two or three seconds a lot quicker. And he was probably riding more in the edge of Maxime, so mm. Maxime probably would have been happy that he was he was comfortably staying with Dylan and that probably gave him a lot of confidence. And then once Dylan crashed out, you know, Maxime is just unbelievable how that guy is so good under pressure. He's got the mental strength. I mean, good Gauthier go Paulan for me had so much talent on a bike, but he was maybe missing that five percent. But Maxime Renault has that. And I mean, we could be looking at a future MXGP world champion. He's already got one MX two title, but if he can stay away from injuries that have maybe hurt him in the past, that's maybe why we've had the wait alone so to see this. Maxime mm-hmm. Renault, but unbelievable for him to win the MXGP class, and and he really does deserve it. A fantastic weekend for him, and certainly he showed it the the level in MXGP, even despite the the injuries this year. It's still very very high, and yeah, really really good display from Renault and. And he'll be looking to hopefully stand the top step of France next year at Ernie.
0: And just on Dylan, probably the most exciting rider to watch. He was just riding that 450 like it was a 250F. Mm -hmm. On the gas, everywhere, that sort of sweeping uphill where we were standing, he was wheeling, hanging off the back of it. The bike was swapping a bit, he didn't care. Just on the gas, pretty much everywhere he could be. Amazing corner speed. But those two crashes really hurt France and I think he had the fastest lap all weekend. Jag with the fastest lap in the first moto. Dylan, I think, had the fastest lap all weekend, or at least on the Sunday. And it's a case of what could have been for France with those two crashes related to it before Tom Vial not racing. They were closer than it probably looks in mm-hmm. the points when you look at the overall results to yeah, the win. Absolutely. With Dylan's speed and like he to come and that track's not easy to pass on. That's why starts were so key. And I think that's what the Americans really focused on, because they, they knew that, you know, even Eli, first motor Saturday, it took him a while to get going to get past people and again, he started 12th and got 6th on the Sunday. It wasn't easy to pass even a guy like him just couldn't storm through the field like you would usually see in in an AMA. So Dylan did come through the field very well and he was carrying speed that he probably had no right to carry through the field with his lap times and once he got into clear air, he was seriously catching people. So really good to see him back and see him on form. That was more like last year's Dylan and he Told me that his back is actually fine now. Um, he just needed to rest it. It maybe wasn't as bad as what people feared. So hopefully that is the case, and he can go into next year's Supercross and outdoors back to hundred percent and and avoid injuries because he's going to add a lot to both championships if the if that's the form he's he's going to be riding in. So I think for me, he was the most exciting rider. Maybe the most unexpected to a degree although we know he's really really fast but to get a whole shot he doesn't often get many of them Matteo Guadagnini led the majority of that second moto Chase Saxon couldn't get him for a long time it was Jet Lawrence that eventually got him but what a ride for Matteo Guadagnini and it's just a shame that it's Antonio Caroli's last race and he is usually the great starter and he didn't get the starts he probably really wanted because he was actually riding good I don't know how much the, the showed of him in TV but when you visualize Coroli, you visualize that wee terrier fighting and fighting and fighting. And he was doing that both motors. He had to come through the field. I think he crashed second one maybe as well when he mm-hmm. was moving up. And he ended up actually behind Tomac. And you could see he wanted to go with Tomac through the field, but he got caught then behind Tomac got around guys and then Coroli couldn't get, him, get them quick enough. And uh, Tomac then was pulling away but Coroli was fighting hard and Guadagnini also went down pretty spectacular in the first turn of race three. And despite all that, they still got fourth overall. So I think for a number one team coming into the, to the weekend with a number one plate, I think fourth overall is pretty good because they didn't really have a perfect day in terms of starts like the US did. And I feel they made the best of their situation. And for Caroli, a respectable ride. And I think he had good pace. We just didn't, he probably didn't get to really test himself at the front just because of the starts, but he was still exciting to watch and he was pushing hard, and he said it was pretty emotional after the race. It's hard to believe that that's his last pro race, especially with the speed he still has, but it was his birthday as well, so 37 years old. Not a bad way to go out with a number one plate for Team Italy. What went across the nation's champ nine-time world champion and then taking Italy with his teammates. Adamo, 2.15th place is solid for him to fourth overall, so pretty good way to end a career for Antonio Carulli.
1: Yeah, Italy, fourth overall, I mean, that's the best they could have done. Most people would have probably thought the Dutch were going to beat them, yeah. so that would have pushed them down another another spot. But the Dutch had a bit of a mare on the day, so <laughs> Italy, really, really good. Fourth overall, like you say, Crowley finishing his pro motocross career. and I think when he looks back, he'll have so many good memories about what he's done in his career, and it, it was nice for a nice way for him to buy out with the number one player at Red Bull. And Matteo Guarnini, I think he showed the, the level of MXGP is no joke this year. I mean, I can't remember him ever leading an MXGP moto to start with. And even though he's won a lot of VMX races, he's still relatively inexperienced at the highest level in terms of winning and, and running right at the front. Obviously, he started the year in MX2, but that didn't actually go to plan whatsoever. He was usually 7th, I mean, 5th to 10th in MX2. And mm-hmm. because of that, he made the decision to step up to the 450. Now, he has been riding really well in the 450 in mm-hmm. MXGP, but he's usually about... Six, about seventh or eighth yeah, in MXGP, right, two, aside yeah. f- aside from the final round where he rode really well and, and fifth overall, but he's still an experienced leading at this house level. So that's probably the first time he was in that situation of of leading mm. for such a long time, holding off chase and actually passing chase back. So it shows he's not scared. And I think another year's experience racing MXGP now. Obviously the speed's going to be really really high next year when when we've got a fit hopefully Jeffrey Hurlings fit Roman forever from the start of the season so the challenge for him is is going to be trying to get good starts and mm-hmm. and running right at the front of MXGP it's certainly not going to be easy but hopefully that race can give him a bit of belief now because I think he had the pace it was just maybe a little bit of an experience if not on the and the not having not being used to the intensity for a whole moto but once he can get that and, and learn from that he has a very bright future I think and Italy themselves have a very bright future. Adamo should only go strength to strength after picking up a factory KTM ride. And then you've got Guardini and then somebody like Ferrado, not exactly a bad guy to call upon. And again, similar to Guardini, I think he just needs a little bit more experience in MICP as well. And that'll be a solid team next year for Italy. So the future is bright there as well.
0: Gwanady came into his truck after got a big hug from I think it was his mm-hmm. dad and yeah. all smiles from the team he was beaming with with that ride and to lead at Red Bud and full of the huge American fans, by the way, that and not just American fans, international fans of all different flags, massive USA, USA chants, which I know you loved. And it was the atmosphere was fantastic, especially for that first motor that fireworks after the national anthem. So that whole side of it's probably the first big destinations since COVID and it probably couldn't have went any better. The, the place was packed there wasn't much spare spare grass to be seen we had a few showers but they weren't that long lasting during the races so I think weather wise they got quite lucky because the rain when we were in press the conference. Free, when we walked yeah. into the track was mega and at the press conference you'd have thought the tent was going to collapse and the, uh, the, the way the rain was coming down it was unbelievable even the riders were all near stopped looking up at the at the tenth, a, it was crazy rain, so we managed to miss all that, which was good. Just on Belgium, there we spoke about Iago, how impressive he was, but Liam Everett's very impressive as well. I like think at one point he was actually catching the wolf, and the wolf was going in the first one, and the wolf was slightly catching Justin Cooper, and Hunter was going to sort of that same speed as well. Now Liam said he wasn't totally happy with how he was riding, mm-hmm. but that maybe shows the level of expectation and belief he has in himself now, because I thought he was his riding was really good. I think he crashed in that moto, so that didn't reflect quite show the speed he had, and they need to come through the field again the second moto. As you said, the, the GP guys didn't really get the starts to really run with with Hunter or Cooper. Hunter for Australia, that crash in that second moto was quite costly because that was the one where Cooper was maybe rode his best race all season. He was phenomenal that race, and that was the one Hunter needed to stay with him in, and Hunter rode well. You think he crashed twice, maybe, still come back to 10th. So the pace was there. As for Australia, though, that was a big, that was a five-point margin. I think over muskwin and Cooper gained a lot of points there as well. And it was that moto that really gave USA the platform and almost a security going into that that third moto where they could have probably afforded to drop a bad result from Chase or Eli to get the win. So Cooper was really, really good. And Hunter, that as soon as he crashed in that moto, you were like, it looks like it's the USA because Cooper... Didn't look like he was going to crash, and was just really fast, as you say. He was trying. Fernandez was trying to catch him, but was on a similar pace. Mm-hmm. And then Cooper was had Saxon not far in front of him, and he was almost catching him lap to lap. And it was a pretty, pretty impressive ride from Justin Cooper. And I think he was for me, he was probably the star of the show. I know they had to drop one of his results, but the one he won his class, the only rider to win his class. And that motto was absolutely huge for Team USA.
1: Absolutely. Justin, I mean, where has that Justin Cooper been all season, you mm-hmm. could say? <laughs> um, obviously, there was a reason. Maybe people doubted he was the right choice, but that was because for his standards, he did not have a great season. But you could tell he was very, very motivated this weekend from the get-go. And yeah, he wrote his heart out. And that was the Justin Cooper we probably expected all season. And, yeah it sounds like he might be motocross only next year if he does supercross mm-hmm. it might only be a few rounds so you know he'll probably be more prepared for, them, for the nationals than the other riders because they're obviously going to be racing all the supercross mm-hmm. so they might only get a couple of weeks to prepare he's going to be riding motocross all year round from what it sounds like so with that in mind we can't really root him out of the title next year and um, with a few rides like that he's definitely not be far away he was really really good and yet, just on M average. I mean, for him to be the best MX2 GP rider on the day, fourth overall, he probably had the speed, actually. I don't think he was any slower than Muscoigne, just to start to kill them yeah, in both motos. Otherwise, I think an MX2 podium certainly wasn't out of the question. I don't think too many people, myself included, would have predicted that before the moto. So, actually, a surprise to see him slightly disappointed, because I thought he rode really, really well. And like you say, even though Justin Cooper was unbelievable in that second moto, that first moto, I mean... DeWolf wolf and probably Everts had his pace. The wolf was catching him slightly, but DeWolf again starts good. weren't good. Yeah. Starts weren't good, and he had to come from too far behind, and he was never going to catch that gap up. It was just too big. Full stop. But he done well to bridge it a little bit. And Liam, to his credit, was riding on the pace probably of Cooper and the wolf because, like you say, he was at times he was catching the wolf as well. So. And then Simon Lagenfelder is another one all weekend. You were kind of scratching your head. This is not the real Lagenfelder who's (laughs) been riding. But then on the Sunday, he did turn it around compared to to the Saturday. Mm -hmm. The Saturday, he didn't ride good at all. But again, similar story. Starts weren't good. I think he had to come from dead last in one of them. It was either 10th or 11th he got back to. So at least he was able to show that he has got pace. And probably the conditions helped on the Sunday too because the track was so fast on Saturday. A lot of those guys aren't, aren't used to just being on the throttle. On the rev limiter so yeah it was good to see the mxgp guys did have pace on the sunday and if starts had been better who knows but credit to justin cooper especially in that second moto he was he was unbelievable he was home like you say he was probably the difference on the day for for a comfortable usa mm. victory so credit to him
0: and that's where i think Vial france yeah. needed Vial because he yeah. was probably the guy that was capable of that as well mm. just on marvin though He's probably feeling quite old this weekend because when he was in GPs, Liam must have been a toddler. And now he's racing (laughs) Liam on the track at Redbutt all these years later. And uh, I was speaking to Roger DeCoster as well, and he was surprised at how quick Liam is already. I think that was his first time seeing Liam in uh, in person racing. So he's now seen all three generations of Everett's racing, which is pretty amazing thing when you think about it, that Liam has been able to get up to that level and go on factory KTM. We should talk about Spain as well. Very good, solid, solid rides, and I would say Game Fares was super impressive on the Saturday, and I thought mm. he'd have been able to put in a good result on the Sunday, but it didn't quite happen for him. Despite that, Ruben Fernandez was who, the, by the way, the American trying to pronounce the GP riders' names was pretty hilarious at times. Cuadarraro, MotoGP uh, guys. What, Guadagnini him. became yeah. Cuadarraro at one point, and <laughs> Fernandez was Fernandez because he went <laughs> quickest, and the guy didn't seem to know who Fernandez was, so it had to be Fernandez. But it was actually Fernandez during the the no. qualify or the time session on the Saturday. But uh, Fernandez rode well. Um, both motors very solid, and Prado actually rode well as well. But he didn't get the starts, which was the, probably the most surprising bit. Probably not quite the full Jorge Prado, but a certainly solid, decent, probably eight eight out of ten performance. Decent starts. He was kind of on the pace of the front guys, maybe sort of at the back of that, but not far away. And for the season illness injury that he's had, I think Spain will be fairly happy. The only Perez probably thinks he could have maybe got a better result, but he, he was certainly flying on the Saturday. Really good to see the speed he had. And Spain, are, I think with those three, are going to be good in the future. Kind of like Australia, they've got three good young talents that are only going to get faster from here on. Belgium. Don't forget Belgium of the Coonans coming as well. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have Liam Everts, Jago Gertz, both Coonan brothers, and Brent Van Donnick isn't going to be a bad option on a 450 either. So for me, it was almost the changing of the generation at Redbud. You had Caroli's last race, Tomac's last race, probably Marvin's last race. You had Jago Gertz debut on a 450 at 22. You had Jet Lawrence Guadagnini. debut on a 450 at, 8, at 1819. Guadagnini. He, as you mentioned, was an MX2 writer this year, stepped up halfway through. So, all these guys are coming on. Liam Everts, all the GP guys in MX2 were actually all teenagers. And Justin, I think Justin Cooper's approaching mid 20s now. So, it just shows you the almost a generational gap there as well. So, a lot of good things coming in the future for the likes of Belgium and Spain and Australia. Those guys are all young as well. So, I think it was a bit of a a moment in time at Redbud to see the last of the the elite generation from the last decade or decade and a half. And now it looks like we could sort of see the potential of all these young riders coming. And once the Cunans go for Belgium, Belgium, we're going to be a force to be reckoned with again.
1: Absolutely. And of course, we can't forget about Jeremy van Horbeek. It was also his it last was, professional yeah. race along with Antonio Crowley. And van Horbeek has had an unbelievable MXGP career. Always Really quick, really good. He just couldn't quite deliver that uh, world title that he, that he tried so hard to do. Second in MXGP, was was the best he could manage. But that year, what a year he had that year. I mean, he was on the podium every single weekend. It's, it's hard to believe, actually, when you look back, that I think he only, what did he win two two or three GPs in his career? He was, a he was knocking yeah, 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 exactly. on the door so much. But yeah, if he has one regret, probably when he looks back at his career, it's probably that he didn't win as much as he would like to. Mm-hmm. But he, he still had so many good days in the sport and he can focus on, on his family now and credit them and it'll, it'll be interesting to see if he if he sticks around the paddock and picks up a role or, or anything like that. Interestingly Gute Paul Am, was there helping Team France this weekend, well, obviously good, he was right? team captain for, yeah. for many years and it'll be interesting to see maybe if Belgium looked, to, looked at Van Horbeek to do something similar because yeah. I think that was his 10th MX Nations in a row actually yeah. So so much experience there as well and yeah, you um, well just too. He was solid. yeah, yeah, he was, he was solid on on the beta. It was good to see the bike stick it out for both the motos too. So yeah, um, really good there, and he can focus on being a dad now, and and what's to come. It'll be interesting to see. But yeah, just on Spain, I think Ruben Fernandez. I'm getting mixed You're up Alps. in the names now. Thanks, commentator. <laughs> He's got me all confused. Ruben Fernandez. I think he was. He was really, really good. Actually, he probably impressed me a bit more Prado just because we know what Prado can do. And Mm -hmm. and typically the weekend he would have wanted the whole shots. He never got them, but he was still probably better than a a lot of GPs this year. He was a lot more solid, I think, and probably closer times to the front. But um, Fernandez definitely had the pace. I think it was the first moto. I think the, the guys ahead of him weren't really putting away that much, so... I think he can be happy with his weekend and and Faraz, he's definitely one to watch out in the future, especially with that Star Yamaha. He told me in the interview his plans are still up in the air for next year, but from what I believe he will be on a Star Yamaha racing the motocross only next year. and I mean, he's already showed he's comfortably in the top 10 of the MA Nationals, so, give him a full off-season, focusing on motocross, similar to Cooper, probably. Mm -hmm. He'll maybe be a bit more prepared than the rest of them, although he will obviously be riding Supercross because the goal will be in 2024 to to do his rookie Supercross season. So he will probably do a mixture of both, but he has a good career ahead of him as well. And and it's good to see, you know, at the start of the year, he, he was just another fast EMX 250 rider, really. Obviously, he was at the front, but EMX is so close, there's six or seven guys like that. So, It's nice to see him get given the opportunity and then show what he can do with the opportunity. So good future ahead for him in Spain as well. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Spain win it within the next five years, to be honest, because that's three really good riders to have. Mm -hmm. Especially if Prado can rediscover his form from last year and, uh, and the form that won him two MX2 world titles. I don't think they'll be too far away, but next year is a very, very big year for Prado. He certainly needs to be better than what he was this year. And, even way he rode well the nations, part of him, is, his head's probably still f- slightly fried because, I mean, he was beating Maxime Renault and Jago Gertz, no problem in MX, too. Oh, yeah. and, and those guys were 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 <clears throat> a level ahead of him this weekend. So next year is a big one for your guy, but hopefully he can rediscover that form him that, that's brought him so much success. And and he's still really young, sometimes we do forget that. Yeah, he's
0: only 20, 20 21 or something. and yeah. Him and Jet, and probably with Yago and Chase Saxon, they were probably the four most stylish riders out there on the track. The precision that can ride with going that speed is really, really impressive. And I know you were speaking to Chase, and he didn't even rule out coming to GPs in the future because I feel if there's a guy that could win a world title, it's probably Chase Saxon because he has that for America. He has that style, that precision, that standing-up technique that you seem to need on GP tracks. And it looks like his style will... Go well with the versatility you need for, for world championship motocross. So, I think he wants to win titles in America first and then keep an eye out because it, it might be an option that might be America's big hope for a, an MXGP world champion. So, Saxon really good to watch as well. Now, unfortunately, we'll have to come to you, the negatives and Team GB. Nothing went right for them all weekend. I think Tommy, Tommy rode well actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He ran out of fuel at the end of uh, last Moto. Max Anstey had fuel issues all weekend and it was a bit of a shame because when you saw him ride the bike, you thought he's going well. He looks great on that Honda. And then when you looked at the times, it was it was the opposite and it was hard to understand why when he looked good, he wasn't going well and obviously the fuel was the reason. And then Dean Wilson was just there riding to sort of average results, really. I think he got eighth on the Saturday. But when you combine both classes sort of back end of the top 20 is probably where you'd expect him. And I think that's where Ben Watson could have got better results. So I'm still surprised Ben wasn't selected. We saw what Guadagnini did. Not a guy that usually runs at the front of MXGP yet, but he was probably a guy Ben would have been racing with fairly regularly at the back of that top 10. And it shows the speed and the depth MXGP has. I think that was maybe overlooked a wee bit. The 12th in the World Championship for Ben Watson on getting top 10s and even near the top 5. That's still really good and Ben's still really fast and I think that was a bit of an error for uh, Team GB. I think he would have strengthened the team but they still actually got 10th overall so everything that could have went wrong pretty much did and they still got top 10 so fair play to that. For them for that and then we'll have to talk about Ireland. Probably one of the most frustrating nations to watch Ireland compete at because all three riders were really fast. The sh- Arguably should have qualified on Saturday. They missed it by two, one point, two points. One point, yeah. One, one point, point, yeah. And that was frustrating because Martin Barr's bike had an issue at the first or second lap of his race, and he was. We all know he's really quick at Red, but he never really got to show it. Come to the B final, Martin had issues again with the bike on the first lap. He was two laps down. Then by the time he got going, he put in the third fastest lap of the race and was actually quickest on track at one point. So that shows you the level they had because Stuart Edmonds rode an amazing race. He rode really well on the on the Saturday as well, actually, for 17th and a pretty tough class. And then again in the B final, he was making moves and coming through, got a really good rhythm. Now that race used to be 30 minutes, so it's only 20 now. And that sort of robbed Stuart mm-hmm. of his momentum because I think the way he was riding, if with another 10 minutes, it might have helped Ireland get, get even closer to getting in and John Mayer on the 250. Really strong ride, and he's 16th, I think, on the on the Saturday, and very competitive. 17th, maybe. Very competitive MX2 class, and again top ten in the B final on the Sunday, and he had pace as well. He was coming on strong and catching the guys in front of him, but the race sort of ended a bit a bit too early for Ireland, and when you combine it with Martin's bike issues, it just wasn't enough to get through. But all three guys had the pace to get through, and it's pretty frustrating, probably. The worst bit is they all did have the pace. If they didn't have the pace, it's easier to accept not qualifying for the F final. But all three, they might even have been the strongest in terms of all three riders to get through and in, in, in the B final teams anyway. But that was disappointing for them because you felt for them because they rode so well and they had the pace and they didn't get to then sort of get the rewards of, of what they should have seen by getting into the F final. Also, that reminds me, Joe schmoda not the weekend you expect for Joe Shimoda, riding right? the complete opposite way, you usually see Joe Shimoda ride wide open and just crashing, whether it's Saturday or Sunday. It never went right for Joe Shimoda all weekend, and Pro Circuit had their full rig there just for him, and by halfway through Sunday, the rig was being t- torn down because he did Japan didn't make it to the A-final. Joe crashed his brains out pretty much. I think he did it the fastest lap in the VB final, but he was on the edge too much. I think he he felt too much pressure to lead Japan into the F final both days. And it didn't go well for Joe Shimoda after how he rode the last MA National. So that was one of the most surprising elements of of the weekend was Joe Shimoda not really riding like Joe Shimoda. Crashing a lot and you don't really expect that of him, especially this outdoor season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a regular um, AMA national podium guy, and he's actually had a better season than Justin Cooper. And Justin yes, Cooper was unbelievable <laughs> this weekend. And, yeah. and Shimoda, all weekend, it just didn't really click for him. And especially on Sunday, whenever the track was, especially on Sunday morning for the warm-ups, the track was more muddy. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to ride it, like 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 the track was the same conditions on Saturday. He was just trying to pin everything. And didn't end too well for him. He crashed in the warm-up. At least once that I've seen anyway, and it wouldn't have surprised me if he crashed more. And then the B final, I don't know what it was, because the other Japanese guy was actually quite good. He was battling in around the top five, wasn't he? Yeah. So I think if Joe just took his time, as you say, the, the, the quickest lap time of the race, I think if he had just took his time and, you know, passed guys as they came instead of trying to force anything, Japan might have even got through, but... Yeah, too many crashes for Joe. A bit of a disaster. He'll not be remembering that motocross nations no. in a hurry anyway. But more like a nightmare. But um, yeah, it's a shame for him because Japan probably won't come to France either. So he'll probably he'll maybe not get to race yeah. the event again until um until it comes to America again or somewhere like that. But so a bit, a bit unfortunate. But if if I was Joe, Joe, I would just forget about that one and scrap it off and and focus on next year now and. Yeah, I think you've touched on the negatives quite well there, actually. But the the one you forgot about is the the Dutch for me. I mean, I expected them to be on the podium, to be honest. But bar Kaido Wills' first moto, that was the only highlight really for them on the Sunday. Yeah, he rode not not too bad. But you would still expect Calvin to be roughly where Ruben was. Well, I would anyway, especially in those conditions. And he was just a little bit off for whatever reason on the Sunday. And and Colenhoff somehow getting lapped by Jago. Um, that's another yeah, one. That
0: was something you would not expe- yeah. expect. Coming, and coming into the event four, and four yeah. years ago, to, have to yeah, lapping him and nothing yeah. went right for Glenn. He said he yeah. didn't have a good feeling on the track. He'd bad starts and crashes. It was kind of a nightmare for Holland, as you said. De Wolf was probably the only guy in that third of his first Push. moto. Yeah, that showed the pace, but then again, he was still coming from the back. It wasn't that he mm. got the start to go toe to toe with Cooper and Hunter to really go for that that class win. And then again, he sort of joined the misery whenever every crash. Yeah, and then I think he got yeah. taken out in, in his second moto. So it was it was an all-round disaster for the Dutch. And I think that happened a lot with every team. We talked about Dylan, he'd two crashes. Hunter. Every team had hunted in his crash. And then Mitch Evans, who was riding well, good first moto, top five. He crashed in the first lap of the, the last moto. So Australia and France were the ones that didn't need to crash. And you probably needed a crash from America if America were going mm-hmm. to lose it. And of course the Americans they did it to perfection and all the other teams were, they were the ones flying around. It was like everything America had learned in the last 10 years to put into action this weekend in red, but to, to get the win. We'll talk now about a couple of other things. So triumph or had a press conference on Saturday mm-hmm. and they're, going to come to MX2, not MXGP yet, mm-hmm. MX2 in 2024. Ricky Carmichael has a lot of time into that bike and I think maybe they were expecting both classes to come in and to go to America but there's no announcement yet for AMA racing. So MX2 2024 Triumph seems to be the first step Triumph getting to the top I was speaking to Ricky and he said the want to win and the bike can win. So the expectations are very high and you were speaking to the more Senior business guys there as well, and the ambition's huge. So keep an eye on Triumph, because I don't think they're coming here to just mess about. I think they're coming here to to win and maybe do something like what KTM have done and be at the front and, and win world titles. And I'm sure AMS Supercross and motocross stuff as well. You're not investing in Ricky Carmichael to test a bike to come second. So keep an eye on these guys, because they, they seem pretty serious, but we haven't seen the bike yet we don't know what it's going to look like. Ricky says it's really good and that he's rode other bikes to compare and contrast to see where the Triumph can improve and be better. So this is a serious project with a lot of money being thrown behind it and I think you expect it to be successful the way everybody's talking.
1: Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, it's fantastic news for the sport in general. I think obviously after COVID and the price of living and everything else escalating, it's nice to have some positive news and Tramp I'm surprised, actually, that the first approach is the the an MX2 team. I always thought, because Thierry, who ran the, the Kawasaki MXGP team in years, I always mm-hmm. sort of thought that the plan would be to, to start an MXGP and that we'd value it more. But it's interesting that they're going to start an MX2 and, and work from the bottom up. But long term, it's actually... Probably a good thing because I yeah. thought that maybe just maybe like better. I thought that maybe just focus on MXGP, but mm-hmm. obviously the long term goal is to be present in both classes. So that's that's good, and it'll it'll obviously be interesting to see a what the bikes like and pay what kind of riders they can attract. Obviously Ricky Carmichael's involved, and you you have to imagine there's going to actually be a lot of money there for. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to assume that they're going to be able to attract the top riders even as soon as twenty twenty four probably. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And then, obviously, it's, it's, they've already pretty much confirmed that they will have at least a one MXGP rider in 2025 as yeah. well. So, it is going to be something that, that, do, that does move quickly once once it happens. Unfortunately, we just have to wait a year for them to join the paddock. But, yeah, it's very, very exciting. And hopefully, they can be the first of, first of many. With <laughs> hopefully, Ducati um, entering the fray in 2024 as well. But that's still, obviously, early days and still in the works. But... It's it's positive news, definitely for the sport.
0: Better there as well. Obviously, we know what's happened to Suzuki. So to have these manufacturers come in, there's so many good riders. It's they need rides, and these manufacturers mm-hmm. are hopefully going to help the the talented guys get rides and make money riding the World Championship. Also, another exciting news I have an interview with Davy Coombs. That keep an eye on the website that should be going up today, which is Wednesday. He was talking about the the Super Motocross Championship that's going on in America. That sounds quite exciting as well, but then he also alluded to the fact, and we'd heard during the weekend, that they're planning a pretty much all-star, all-time race in 2024 with the top AMA guys, I think maybe the top 20, top 20 MXGP guys, all in one race, and I I think details aren't completely sorted yet, which is why it's not 2023, so it's going to be 2024. But to have a race where you have all the top AMA riders, all the top GP riders in one event, is going to be pretty special. So we'll wait to hear more concrete details on that, but Davey's certainly enthusiastic. Him and David Longo are working closely together now, which is different from a decade ago with Giuseppe. So I think that can only be good for the sport. And hopefully, well, maybe if this race goes well, we'll maybe get more of that type of racing and we'll really get to see all the top Americans race all the top GP riders regularly and not just at the nations where you're kind of hoping guys aren't hurting. Maybe some guy didn't get selected that you would like, say like a favor. There's only three spots for each country, obviously. And mm-hmm. the likes of France, even Holland, where your, the likes of Rowan Van de Moostag not getting to go. Um, America obviously have more than three good riders. So this race could be something pretty amazing and, I'm already excited for it, and it's, it's only 2022, so keep an eye on that. I'm sure more details will come out over the next 12 months for that race, but big news and, and big positivity on, on both sides of the, the sort of racing world there with America and the rest of the world kind of coming together finally, and that race could be pretty epic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Really, really exciting. Um, obviously, we have always thought for a while that there should be a rider cup event where it mm. should maybe be USAV Europe. It's not going to be it's not going to be like that because obviously the French AMA guys, the German AMA guys, they're going to be racing for AMA. Yeah. But it's certainly better than nothing, and and obviously doing it that way might actually be better in one sense because <laughs> and the riders have to actually race yeah, because there's going to be AMA points, so you know that the, they can't just opt out of it and say I don't want to go there if they mm. have it in Europe or whatever. So. It's going to be really, really interesting. One aspect for me is I just hope it's fair and it's not in America every year, for example. Well, and the I hope that the, cool the, the well. well, that's I was just about to say. It. I hope right, the fuel sorry. they use the same fuel. So if through that and do things right, it could be unbelievable and uh probably the fastest race we've maybe ever seen with, t- yeah. with twenty of the both from each side of the the pond. So it'll be, and then MX two will probably be the same. So yeah, really exciting and hopefully we get some official news in the next few months about it, but certainly want to keep an eye on it. It'll be really, really exciting for any motocross fan, I think. And Yeah, I just hope that it's, like I said, it's not in America every year and they do come to Europe sometimes, but I do have a feeling that might be the race where they maybe try and plug into Australia, maybe Mm. Canada, places like that would be be interesting too, I suppose. So definitely want to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, I think as as well as the race, that's news It's one of the most exciting things and the super motocross as well. I think there might be a chance for Hurlings and all to race that yet, but I don't think that's completely, they've sort of worked it out. They're really just focusing on the AMA criteria to qualify for that at the minute, but I don't think it's ruled out that you could see the likes of Curlings and Geyser be allowed into that race. So there's a lot of changes in the sport and all positive and adding to that or supercross Supercross starts in about 10 days time in Cardiff, so we're off to that as well. So another new series, another exciting thing for the sport, and that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Eli Tomac's going to have to do a pretty quick switch in his mind um, get back into the, the Supercross flow of things after his red Redwood victory with Team USA. And by the way, what a year for Eli Tomac. It doesn't really get any better than that to win everything in which his last full season of uh, professional racing. And in the press conference after he was happy he done I don't know how many interviews including one with us and smiling the whole time very open very chatty and totally different Eli Tomac to the more quiet maybe less media friendly one we've seen during his career but obviously he would a career to do and that had to be a priority now I think he can see the light at the end of the tunnel he's enjoying his last year winning obviously helps too and all Americans were actually really good with the media because they had a serious amount of interview requests and they were there for I don't know how long in the press centre, so fair play to them. That was that was good from them. It wasn't just American media that were doing interviews with either. So it was good to see that. And yes, Eli Tomac, Ken Rockson, like Shane McElrath, Joey Savas, just been added to that. Cole Seeley will back, Josh Grant, Derek Drake, Max Anstey. Let's hope he's got his fuel issues sorted out. Hopefully. You don't want an issue going off a of triple or something. Yeah transition combination and uh getting wrecked in, in your home country as as britain would be um chad reed racing as well so a bit of an eclectic mix of riders past present and future so looking forward to that but for now that's red the red bud wrap wrap up on your first time in america all done and dusted and no doubt you'll be back now
1: Yeah, well, the weather being the way it was, if I could go another (laughs) weekend like that, I'd be happy as Larry to go, yeah, but knowing my luck, the next time it'll be about 30 degrees and I might not make it home, but we'll see what happens. I'm sure I'll be there in the future at the Nations again.
0: Cheering for you, I say
1: Right, that's it. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. Ciao for now.